All right, well, good morning once again. Our topic today is going to be on the topic of suffering. That don't work. And um, it might work. And I think there was a topic on the board that had the question of evil or something along that line. And I think this topic kind of beats up on that because it's that question of evil. Why does evil persist in the world or where did it you know where does it come from and today or we're going again we're going to talk about suffering but we're going to talk about you know where did it come from and why does it continue uh, in our world there's a movie called the matrix and uh, i think this there was like there's i think now there's a total of four uh movies and the original there was three movies they made another one recently i think and like the second or third movie, the, the main character meets this guy, and he's called the Architect. And if you don't, if you're not aware, the premise of the whole movie is that machines have taken over Earth, and they are, they are, for lack of a better term, they are farming humans, and all of the humans are hooked up into a computer simulation called the Matrix that represents what we see around us. And so they're all in this matrix, and they, yet they are not able to see realities. There's only just a few that are actually able to see the real world for what it is. And this little character you see on the computer screen, that's the main character. And he, is, uh, he gets out of the matrix, and he goes and fights against the machines, and so on and so forth. And this guy is known as the architect, all right? And so this is actually just a human embodiment of a computer program all right and so he tells the main character that there's been a lot of different matrices that he had actually constructed and they're actually on i believe their sixth matrix and i have this quote on the side here you may not be able to see it but the architect says the first matrix i designed was quite naturally perfect it was a work of art Flawless, sublime, a triumph equaled only by its monumental failure. The inevitability of its doom is as apparent to me now as a consequence of the imperfection inherent in every human being. Thus I redesigned it based on your history to more accurately reflect the varying grotesqueries of your nature. And so I just include this here, and I think it's interesting here that this computer program, he is trying to make everything perfect. He's trying, he can only uh, just really understand perfection. And when he tried to have humans put into this perfect matrix, they wouldn't accept it. They could not understand it. And it failed because partially of what he describes as imperfection. And he tries to correct it by putting in bad things, putting in suffering, putting in, as he puts it, these grotesqueries of your nature. And I just think that's interesting because people, it, uh, people uh, you know, deal with suffering day in and day out. It is just commonplace in our lives. And I think even today, and we have getting into situations where it's like everything's just going too good. It's just going too good. Like there's, 
we get suspicious and paranoid when things are going too well. If you have young kids and they're in another room and they're, they're making a lot of noise and all of a sudden they become quiet, you're not like, oh, peace. That's, 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 that's not what goes on. You immediately think the worst. And, um, and it's just, if there's, if everything is just perfect, it's just, it just not, does not feel right. And I think that's represented here, uh, in this quote here. And in the Bible, uh, I mean, we see it everywhere. Uh, we see it at the very beginning or very soon after the beginning with, you know, Adam and Eve, after they leave the garden of Eden, we have Cain and Abel and the murder taking place there. We see Joseph and the mistreatment suffered by Joseph, uh, by his brothers. Uh, we see the, you know, the, uh, the eventually the, and then the enslavement of the nation of Israel in Egypt. Uh, I read when I was studying for this that around a third of the Psalms are laments. All right, and you think about some of the things that are mentioned in the Psalms: uh, sin, uh, you know, the physical suffering, that 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 mental anguish over sin, uh, so on and so forth. And of course, we can't forget Job uh, that talks about. Uh, this suffering uh, that he endured, and won't get much into it now, but he suffered, and th- there it wasn't because he was a bad guy. And we also see with Jesus, and you know, you know, all of his ministry, he faced suffering, persecutions, all that, and he endured all that throughout his ministry here. And then we also see the apostles. I think history records just about every single one of them. Uh, was martyred uh, because of their faith. And, they, and, of course, we see some of the sufferings they endured in the New Testament as well. But it's everywhere, all right? And it's, it's everywhere in our lives. And so, you know, many people ask why. You know, why would a loving God allow suffering? And you probably heard this all the time. You know, well, you know, if God cared about us, why doesn't he heal all the people in the hospitals? Or why does not why why does he allow cancer? All all of that, all of those questions. Uh, we also have uh, some that would see suffering as retribution for sin, and um, we're going to touch on Joe Ford a little bit more. But we see where Eliphaz, uh, he's he's with Job, and he's basically saying, "Hey." If you know, you know, if you did something, it was because of, uh, or if if you're suffering, it's because of some sin. God is going to punish people uh, for their wrongdoings. There's nobody that's going to be uh, missed uh, by God in His judgment. And so he mistakenly believed that he had committed some type of sin. And even today, uh, people see that. Maybe not so much as uh, in the Christian sense, but people would say, "Well, that's." That's karma. Well, something bad happens to you, and, and you deserve it. That's karma. Well, it, it may be some type of judgment, but is that always the case? Is it always the case that you suffer? You suffering is in direct correlation to some sin or some bad thing that you uh, committed, and also many of you suffering as proof that God does not exist, and that goes along with our first point here that. Well, God allows all these bad things to happen, and so uh, he must not be that loving. And 
they would say, well, the Bible depicts him as loving, and because he allows these things to happen, well, he just might, he just, apparently he just doesn't exist. And so we're going to look at that uh, question a, later, a little later on as well. But these are all uh, seemingly legitimate things, you know, and, and of course this is a good question, very uh, foremost, of why does God allow suffering, and where did it come from? So where does it come from? Genesis 3 and verses 16 and 19, it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. I'm sure everybody in this room knows what's going on here. Adam and Eve sinned. They ate of the fruit in which they were commanded not to, and we see the consequences of this. And we see the pain uh, for the women. We see here that... Uh, uh, that we see that curse is the ground for your sake because the man toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Uh, the earth is changed because of that sin. And we see that continuing continuing on that the earth in a sense is, is quote corrupted. I'm cautious to use that term corrupted because there's still so much good uh, in the world. But things change. It becomes much more difficult uh, to uh, simply eat, uh, to simply survive. And uh, we see that you know, ultimately this is the root of where all the suffering comes from. And so the beginning of suffering was caused simply by sin, uh, by disobedience to God. And the consequences of that uh, you know, really rendered uh, really the starting, the, the starting point of all suffering that we have today. Man was tempted by his own desires. Uh, we see what the serpent was telling Adam. She looked at it and it was good. Uh, and the serpent told him that, you know, you're going to be able to know uh, good and evil. You're going to become like God. And I think that that appealed uh, to Eve. Uh, of course, he, he was kind of telling the truth there, but uh, he wasn't telling the whole story. But at the end of the day, he was tempted by his own desires. James 1 and verse 13 and 15 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and to sin when it's full grown brings forth death. All right, God did not cause them to commit that sin. Uh, God in no way tempted them, and no way does he tempt us today it all comes from within ourselves these temptations these or these desires uh, come from ourselves and notice he's tempted when he's drawn by his desires and what does that desire lead to when it has conceived it gives birth to sin all right so we have some of these carnal desires and we may see something that uh, just kind of pricks that desire or kind of you know just kind of causes us to start thinking about those things and then 
it just kind of snowballs to the point where if we don't uh, really just don't uh, restrain ourselves from that temptation, uh, we're going to give into it, and it's going to give birth to sin, and eventually it's going to bring forth death. All right. So man is tempted by his own desires. He cannot say that he's tempted by God or God is responsible in some way for those temptations. And, you know, we see all that sin. We see all that suffering. And sin, uh, in, you know, in a, in, a, in a large part, is responsible for much of the suffering that we see in the world today. I have some charts here. Uh, this is a chart of murder rate. Of course, it's going down in the country, but of course it picked back up. There's still way too many murders. We see car thefts, still way too many thefts. Have this, it's kind of hard to see, but this is talking about people that are committing adultery and the after effects of the adultery of how many people are going to be divorced uh, if uh, their spouse uh, commits adultery against them. And so think about the consequences of all this. Think about the consequences of the murder from theft, stealing. You know, definitely think about the consequences of, of adultery and who that affects, all right? And so one, you know, one, you know, if you give in to some temptation just one time, uh, a, a lot of people uh, can, be, uh, can suffer because of that, especially when you think about this idea of adultery. Uh, the families that are involved with that, the children that are involved that suffer uh, because uh, you gave in uh, to that, to that uh, temptation, all right? And so we can see that a lot of suffering is caused uh, by sin today. But also recognize that some suffering is not caused by sin. Job 4, 7 through 9. Uh, well, I've been... I've been briefly mentioned this several times but this is Eliphaz saying remember now whoever perished being innocent or were were the upright ever cut off even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same by the blast of God they perish and by the breath of his anger they are consumed now there are a lot of things in which really all these statements in a sense are true uh, that God eventually uh, he's going to take care of all these wrongdoings. May not be here in the here and now, but he has this idea that Job, that something Job did caused all this calamity on him. And he asked, you know, whoever perished being innocent, where were the upright ever cut off? So if you're, so if Job is cut off, or if Job uh, is sowing, you know, uh, or reaping trouble, it's obviously because he was sowing trouble. Well, and we obviously understand that that's not the case. All right? And it seems as though this idea has continued on. And, of course, it continues on today. But you think about in John 9. Uh, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sin, that the works of God should be revealed in him. This is an important statement here, uh, that the Jews had this idea that, well, it's obviously his blindness is because of something that he did or something that his parents did. And they had the same mistake, or had the same mistaken idea that Eliphaz had in Job 4. 
And Jesus answers, nobody sinned. This was not a consequence of what the man did or what the parents did. He says, but, it says the works of God should be revealed in him. And we see where Jesus uh, heals uh, the, the blindness. And so recognize that at the end of the day, when suffering is happening, it's not always because of some sin. And a lot of it is. Uh, but a lot of it is just, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, time and chance. He says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the, to the, to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. Notice, what should happen just does not always happen. Uh, the race is not always to the swift. The battle is not always to the strong. Those that are, you know, working, they're doing the right things, there's times when bad things happen to them. We see that. And we see the people that are just as corrupt as could be, that they continue to be prosperous. And the writer just concludes that time and chance is involved in it. There's, there's just, it just happens. And we have to recognize that, that sometimes it's not because God has condemned some sin in my life, that it's not, uh, you know, this is not because of some sin in my family or whatever it may be. It just happens. It's because of the world that we live in. All right? And it's a very important distinction uh, that we make there. There's some things we just cannot put a finger on. It's just, it is uh, what it is. All right? So some perceive all suffering as bad. I think that's a faulty conclusion. I get... I get so irritated about discussions about climate change, and I don't really care about your opinions about climate change here. But it's that same idea that any changes caused by climate change is bad. And that's a conclusion by many scientists. And that's what I find interesting about that is that's, that's not how we uh, perceive any of those benefits caused for anything else in our life. There are some benefits to climate change that people just don't, think about and when we think about suffering some people think that if if any type of suffering is just bad there's nothing good that can come out of it and that is simply not true and so if that is the case that if it was bad well then god must be bad in order to allow it but you know is it all bad hebrews 5 verse 17 i think about this that's kind of small it says, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfect, perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus' suffering, was it all bad? Was, was, there, there was, was it just... was? No good or did no good come out of his suffering. Well, we know that's not the case. Look what his suffering did. He learned obedience by it. So there's a benefit there to Jesus himself. And then what is the benefit to us? Having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, I'm not saying that the pain or whatever whatever he went through was... Not bad, that was bad, but what came of it, or came through it, rather, was good. 
there were many benefits that happened because of the things in which he suffered, things for himself and, and for us. And so it's not logical to just conclude that suffering is bad, that everything about suffering is bad. There are some good things that come from it. And we have to, it's, it's important for us to perceive this suffering in the right manner as well. If, if we are going through a whole life thinking that all suffering, there's nothing good that can come out of it, well, we're going to have a miserable life. But think about Hebrews 12, verse 3 and 11. We, we won't turn there, but it talks about God's chastening uh, towards believers and that if he's chastening, if there's some discipline that they are, uh, that they are, uh, that they are enduring, it's because God is dealing with them as sons. And at the end of the day, the end result of this discipline is so that you can be a partaker of his holiness. Okay? So it's not pleasant. Okay? We recognize that at the time. But what can result from it is greatly beneficial to us. If I, if I want to be a partaker of his holiness. And so part of that is enduring discipline or chastening from the Lord. And it's the same idea with parents uh, disciplining their children. What's the result of that? You know, parents are not disciplining their children just to, just to do so, just, you know, just to make them feel pain. That's not, that's not the point. The point is to get them to change, uh, to mature and to grow. Uh, Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14 says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. We looked at this verse uh, not that long ago. And we see that... Uh, Paul here, he is in chains, but what's the result of it? He says that the things which happened to me have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. All right, so there, the palace guard knows why he's in chains here. Uh, we see that the brethren there, it says they haven't become confident by my chains. are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So he's in jail, and of course, Paul could just be all miserable and just be like, oh, woe is me. This is, this is terrible. Somebody please come rescue me. But he's saying, he's looking at the bright side here. He said, look at, look at what's happening because of me being in chains. The gospel is still being furthered. We see brethren are speaking the word. And it's interesting that focus that, that Paul has here. He's just seemingly not worried about what happens to his body He's more concerned about the benefits and, and how his change and how his suffering helps the gospel helps the gospel to spread. Romans eight verse seventeen says, And if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. This is the middle of a thought, but we see uh, that we are heirs if indeed we suffer with him. Okay, and so this is part of it. We recognize that Christians are going to suffer. If they're, if they're doing the right things or saying the right things, they're going to suffer uh, because of it, just as Christ suffered. So we can expect that, and this is evidence that we're doing the right things. 
if we are if we are suffering this type of persecution, recognize that Christ endured those same exact things, and so that we may also be glorified together. So suffering's not always bad. I'm sure it's it's definitely not pleasant, and it can be very painful. But we have to make sure that we have the right perspective on those sufferings. And even this, we even think about uh, patience, how dealing with these things can help our patience to grow as well. And so there's a plurality of benefits to our enduring of these things. And so, you know, think about that. And and from the very beginning, this idea of, well, if God allows this type of stuff, that he, he must be just evil or he must be bad, or he just doesn't exist at all. And my question of that is, if God is evil for allowing suffering that is bad, what if he did not allow suffering that is beneficial? Think about that. Where would we be if uh, you know this suffering did not exist? And he just, whatever I wanted, he just indulged every every desire that I ever wanted. Nothing, there was no pain or anything on this planet, where would we be? Uh, what is the incentive to serve God there? You know, where, you know, we think about how the poor respond to the gospel and how the hope, our hope is the basis of the gospel, that we're looking for something better. You know, where is that incentive if all of this is removed? What would happen to us? I don't think, I don't think any good would come out, out of uh, us I'm never uh, suffering at all. So, you know, going to the argument of the atheist, and you think about this idea, well, if suffering, if he does not uh, remove suffering or does not uh, ease suffering of good people, well, that just means that God does not exist. And, it, that just, and they use that a lot to disprove uh, God. So my question to this, and you all have probably heard similar arguments it's similar to this but how does an atheist determine what is suffering without god think about that so what is suffering if there's no objective standard how does he determine what is suffering okay it just may just be you know it may be good how how am i who am i to determine what is good and what is bad and so then uh there has to be some type of objective standard to determine what that is. And who has that right to determine that other than God? And is the evidence of suffering all that is needed to disprove God? <laughs> that, I think this is a very weak argument because it doesn't disprove God. At, at the very worst, it would say, well, God is bad for allowing this suffering, but it certainly doesn't disprove God. It may just mean uh, for the atheist that he would just conclude that, well, maybe... God exists, but he just, he's evil. Of course, he's not. But it doesn't disprove God at all. And then, does the goodness in the world prove or disprove good? You think about the world. Is, is there more good or is there more bad in this world? I think there's more good in this world. There's a lot of good in this world that I think definitely outweighs uh, the bad. And so if we're going to take the, 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 the position that, well, all these bad things happen to good people, it, it obviously disproves God. Well, if that's the case, what about all the good? Where does all the good come from? Okay. And so, and then again, 
what where does our definition of good or bad come from? So there's all these questions here. That's just it's a really faulty argument in my mind to use the position of suffering as proof uh, that God does not exist. So I think you know God allows suffering, and, and He allows suffering for our own good. Now recognize He does that there's suffering that uh, he does not, uh, you know, this is this is just time and chance, uh, but these sufferings are beneficial to us. There is good that comes out of it. You think about, you know, the, the you know, any type of, you know, financial hardships or whatever it may be, and uh, it helps us to grow, it helps us to mature, it helps us to grow in patience. Job 23 and verse 10 says, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Okay. Notice Job's perspective on this. And when all these bad things happen to him, he's endured all these things. What's going to happen? I shall come forth as gold. Just as gold is, you know, comes out of the ground and it's heated by fire and it becomes purified you know, this is Job, and, and, and notice the, the purifying aspect of those sufferings as well, and that testing of his, you know, testing of his faith, testing of his endurance. Uh, and so there's good that can come out of it. And at the end of the day, no argument based on suffering can legitimately dispute the existence or nature of God. I, I, that's just, to me, that's a ridiculous argument. There's so many other better arguments that could be made. And we're talking about disputing the existence of God. But because suffering exists, is it does not mean uh, that God does not exist. And it definitely does not mean or, or does not mean that uh, God's nature is evil or, you know, maybe that he does not just enjoy uh, the suffering of his creations. But that's all I got for today. It's kind of quick, but I wanted to... Uh, hit those few points and just kind of, you know, talk about suffering, how it relates to us, and recognize, I think that the main point that I want to get home is we have to recognize the good that can come out of any situation, and how we perceive suffering in our lives has a great impact on us, how, you know, how we, you know, how we use it to grow in our relationship with God, you know, or if we, you know, if we have that wrong idea. Uh, we can use it to, you know, it, use it in ways in which it destroys our faith. And so are we going to use those sufferings to grow in our relationship with God? Or, or are we going to use that? Are we going to use that to uh, throw it at God, you know, say that God doesn't love me or uh, he's evil because of the sufferings that endure? And we use that uh, to deny our faith in God. So hope it's been useful for you. Um, if there's anyone here, I think everyone here is a Christian, but if there's anyone here who uh, you know, may need the prayers of the saints uh, for anything, uh, maybe maybe you're dealing with some sufferings in your life and you need some help. Uh, we'd certainly uh, love to talk with you about it. Or if there's a sin in your life that you need to deal with, need the prayers of the saints, you need to confess anything, uh, we'd, we'd love for you to come forward now as we stand and as we sing. Ooh, I think it's this one. Number 268.